So most of the time, uh, Mark, our senior pastor, he's the one that comes up with our sermon series ideas here at Forest Hills. So early last month, try to get a jump on things, I walked into Mark's office and I said, Mark, what's the sermon series for February? He just looked at me and said, I love you. I became perfectly still and considered all my options. But thankfully, after letting an awkward moment pass, it soon became clear that these three words were the sermon series, and, and thankfully, nothing more. <laughs> but, but, but all kidding aside, it's, it's good and right for us to spend our time in worship this month talking about love. Because it's a, world, a word that's tossed around all the time, but depending on the person or the situation, it can mean all sorts of different things. For instance, the love we have for food is different than the love we have for pets. And the love we have for pets is different than the love we have for our favorite sports teams. And the, yeah. Go Tigers! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the love we have for our favorite sports teams is different than the love we have for our homes and our possessions. And the love we have for our homes and our possessions is different than the love we have for our family. Now, all these examples just go to show us that there's a lot of love to go around. And we can be grateful for that. But as we think about the love we see and experience in our lives and our world today, we have to ask ourselves this question. What's so different about the love we find in Jesus? Now, this is a really good question to ask. And the answer is really anything but simple. Because while we've conditioned ourselves to think of love in a lot of different ways, None of those loves perfectly match up to the love that we find in Jesus. I mean, sure, Jesus' love touches us on an emotional level, but it's not a romantic kind of love. He cares for us and provides us with protection, but he's certainly not our pet. And while he is our father, he loves us in a way that no earthly relative ever could. All these examples drive home the point that the love we find in Jesus is different from any love we know. But how? Why? And most importantly, what difference does it make? As Christians, we need to know more about the love of Jesus. We need to experience more of Jesus' love, and we certainly need to do a better job of sharing it with others. That's why this month we're going to be unpacking what the love of Jesus is like, what it's all about, and why it's the best love we can ever experience. And to help us get started on this journey, we're going to begin today by reading one of the most powerful passages on love that we find in the Bible. And I'm, of course, talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, this entire chapter is dedicated to love, and specifically, God's love. And the person writing these words, the Apostle Paul, he wanted the Corinthians to understand what made this love different from any other love they knew. That's why, in a world full of different words for different kinds of love, Paul chose the Greek word agape to describe the love that Jesus has for us. So what makes this agape love different from any other love we know? Well, in a nutshell... What makes agape love so different is that it's entirely focused on the other, not you. See, the love that our world's been consumed with pursuing and chasing after is, by and large, a love that's focused on what brings you pleasure, comfort, and happiness. 
It's a love that's wrapped up in self-centeredness. But agape love, it isn't anything like that. In fact, if you want to find the truest definition and expression of this agape love, all you have to do is look at Jesus. As we see in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus didn't come to earth in order to gain earthly love, but to, share, but to give love away to a world in need. As Jesus himself tells us in that scripture, For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, in spite of rejecting him, mocking him, and even killing him, Jesus loved this messed up, crazy world and all the people in it, including you and me. Friends, that's why the power of this agape love is so special. It's willing to give itself away in the hope that others will be able to gain what they don't already have. And meditating upon this amazing love. 1 John 4.10 says this, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for us. For those of us who have been forever changed by this amazing, selfless, agape love, we're now called to share it with others. That's because you and I, we're on a mission. A mission to tell this world about the amazing love of Jesus Christ. To share with others the love which Jesus so freely shares with us. And in order to better understand and appreciate this love, Let's jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 right now. And because this is an entire chapter, it's a little bit lengthier passage of Scripture, we're going to break it down into three sections as we move along to help break it up. And each section actually does teach us something unique about God's love. So to start with, let's read 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Right off the bat, Paul confronts us with a heavy truth. If we think for one second that we can disconnect the way of Jesus from the way of love, we're fooling ourselves. Because no matter what gifts, skills, and abilities we might possess, we're nothing without love. Now in the chapter before this one, chapter 12, Paul says a great deal about spiritual gifts and how we're called to use our gifts to build up the body of Christ, of which we're all a part. And what Paul's saying here, he's describing this body by saying that each of our unique and individual gifts is a body part. And when all of these different parts are put together, what do we got? We got a complete, working, functioning body. In essence, what Paul's saying here is this. In Christ, there's a place for all of us. We all have a purpose. We all have a function. All because we don't look the same and do the same things doesn't mean we aren't created to do wonderful things for God and that we all matter. And, when it's, when, and it's when we come together and live into our giftedness and our uniqueness that we really start to build up the body of Christ. But here's the thing. 
while all these different gifts, skills, and abilities are important. It's this agape love which is the heart and soul of the body of Christ. It's this amazing, selfless, and godly love which binds us together as one and allows us not only to live but to thrive. Because without this love, without this love, the body withers and dies. For while a body can have the strongest arms and the sharpest eyes, if it has a dead heart, it is ultimately nothing. Think about it like this. If Jesus was just a great teacher, chances are his lessons would have been forgotten sometime over the past 2,000 years. If Jesus was just a revolutionary, his hopes and dreams for a better world would have died when he did. But because Jesus was more than just a teacher or just a revolutionary, he was love. And because of that love, his lessons, life, and revolution continue to this day. That's the takeaway from this first section of Scripture. You're somebody when you live a life of love, but you're a nobody without it. Now, moving along, Paul's now ready to show us what a life of love does to people like you and I. And to hear that, let's read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. As we've already seen, a life without love is nothing to be desired. Yet here in these next four four verses, Paul makes the case for why a life of love is desirable. And the reason why? Because simply put, love makes us better people. People who are captivated and covered by the love of God are patient. They're kind. They don't envy what other people have, nor do they boast about what they have. They're not prideful and they're not self-centered. They don't get mad at every little thing and they don't seek revenge on those who've done them wrong. They tell the truth. They call out lies. And no matter what problems come their way, they're able to face them all thanks to the radical and reckless love of Jesus. Friends, let's be honest for just a moment this morning. On our own, we wouldn't be able to live this kind of life. See, apart from God's love, we are easily angered, self-seeking, boastful, and proud. That contrast shows us the effect that this radically different kind of love has on people like you and me. It transforms our very being and allows us to live a life that otherwise wouldn't be possible. For by embracing agape love, We stop living selfishly and start living selflessly. And when we make that all-important pivot, we become better people, all thanks to love. Now, up to this point, it's clear what Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians and us about agape love. You're better with it and nothing without it. But that's not all we need to know about this kind of love. For Paul knows how conflicted we can be as human beings. He knows how divisive we can be. And he knows how we like to obsess and fight over things that, honestly, 
don't really matter. That's why Paul concludes this chapter with a heavy and hopeful truth that every one of us needs to hear. This truth that in the end, love is the only thing that matters. Everything else will pass away, but love never will. Here's how Paul drives that point home in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall fully know even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Learning to walk in the way of love means leaving the ways of the world behind in order to follow, as Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, in the most excellent way, which, of course, is the way of love. And just why is love so excellent after all? Because it never fails, it never ends, and it'll never pass away. Agape love is eternal. It'll never come to an end because it's grounded in God. Because after all, God is love. And because of that, this holy, honoring, and selfless love will last as long as God lasts, which is forever. For you see, friends, when we become captivated and covered by God's amazing and eternal love for us, we can rest assured always in the words of Romans 8, 38 and 39, where Paul reminds us that nothing, not even death, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that one day, every love we experience in the here and now will disappear. And all those things that we thought were so important, they'll just simply fade away. But the love of God never will. And as long as we keep embracing, celebrating, and sharing His love, neither will we. For at the end of this chapter, Paul concludes everything by reminding us what will remain after everything else passes away. Faith, hope, and love. While these three qualities mark the lives of those who follow Jesus, Paul makes sure that we know which among these is the greatest. And what is it? Love. Love is the greatest of all because it forms the foundation of who God is and who we are in Him. Friends, you and I can choose to love and be loved in any number of ways each and every day. But there's only one love which lasts forever. There's only one love that can accept us as we are, but not leave us as we were. There's only one love that can bring us out of death and into life. And that's the love of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world. Friends, He knows you. He knows everything about you, good and bad. And in spite of what He knows, He chooses to love you anyway. And in spite of all of that, in spite of the pain... He loves you always. How do we know this? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. Friends, whether you know it or not, Jesus has given you the greatest thing by giving you his love. And when we share his love, this agape love with others, it demonstrates to God, others, and ourselves that we know what's most important and what will last forever. Love. Would you pray with me? God, we, we don't deserve the type of love you have for us. God, we are sinful, we are broken, we are not perfect. And all those things are an understatement. But God, in spite of all the things that might speak negatively of us, God, you choose to love us anyway, and not just a little, but all the way. For God, you gave your son for us so that we might be able to experience your amazing love, not only now, but forever. God, thank you. We don't deserve it, and we can never say thank you enough for this gift that we do not deserve. But God, as we stand in your love, as we experience your love each and every day, God, help transform our lives so that we can be people of not just love, but your love. And as we are your children, as we are your hands and feet in this world, let us be liberal with the love that we share with others. Let us give it away freely because you freely give it to us each and every day. Lord, there's so much hurt and brokenness in this world. And Lord, each time a life is, is affected and transformed by your love, our broken world come, becomes a little bit more whole each and every day. So Lord, through the kingdom that we are working to build alongside you, help us to lay the foundation of love through the things we say and the things we do in our everyday lives. And so that all that we, all that we bring into this world, Lord, points people back to the amazing love you have for us. The love that was most seen when Jesus died for us on the cross and rose again three days later. We thank you for that type of love and ask that you allow us to share it more and more each day. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to be celebrating what is perhaps the most beautiful expression of the love we've been talking about all morning, communion. When Jesus came to us, he was willing to pay the price, no matter the cost, so that you and I, broken, imperfect people, could experience eternal love now and forever. I'm going to go ahead and ask our communion servers to come up and get in place. But as you ponder God's love for you and the cost of that love, I want you to remember what it was like on the night that Jesus gave himself over to the type of pain and anguish which secured our salvation, our redemption, and his eternal love for us now and forever. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, Paul sets the scene like this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus died so that we could experience love and life now and forever. And as we celebrate this meal, remember the price of that life and love. I hope that you'll take a moment to reflect on what things you need to leave behind before you come to this table today. The things and the, and the opportunities in your life where you've decided not to show God's love to others. 
not to accept God's love for you. Friends, this is love. This is Jesus himself who gave every part of who he was so that you could experience the love he has for you. So in just a moment, I want to ask you to come on down and as you will and as you're able to take communion. We have gluten-free wafers and juice available right here in the center. But let's just take a moment now in prayer and ask that God would bless these elements and bless us who take them as well.